The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that knows how to get Framber Valdez in the air. Jordan, what you do is you put him on one end of a seesaw, you jump off a 10-story building, you land on the other end of the seesaw, he goes flying in the air. That is way more realistic than asking me to elevate a baseball that he is throwing towards me. Uh, in the air and not pounding it into the ground to one of the Astros fielders as we just witnessed a, a Fromber uh, masterclass uh, in game two of the World Series as the Astros even things up five to two. Jake, it is a pleasure to join you once again as you uh, check in here from your Houston hotel. Uh, we have, as we've said, we're going to be podcasting after every game of the World Series. And here we are again, not quite as eventful as the game one incredible Phillies comeback, but there was still uh, some some interesting moments. The Astros were up, what, 30 seconds into the bottom of the first inning, I would say. Before the crowd had even filed into the building, the home, the home team was up by a handful of runs, Jordan. It, it truly, I think, right, it was four pitches, um, and then it was 2 nothing. Four pitches, it was 2 nothing. Zach And Wheeler, the home yeah. of the brave 2 nothing Astros. <laughs> right. That is what it felt like. Now, this, you know, the Astros, they went up early in game one. They were chilling. Kyle Tucker had two home runs. And everyone, when they got up 5 nothing, was like, oh, they got them right where they want them. The difference was that instead of apparently one of the worst World Series pitchers of all time, uh, it was Framber Valdez, who we will point out, was very bad in the World Series last year, but he doesn't have years and years and years of World Series failure. He just has uh, two games. <laughs> and instead, Framber Valdez went to work. As you know, I've, I've uh, extolled uh, his, his just, I love this dude so much. And it was great to just see him kind of put it all together uh, on, on national TV with Joe Davis telling the scouting story uh, eight times, I feel like, over the course of the game of the broadcast. Um, But being there, being in the park, uh, what is it like? Especially, by the way, from the auxiliary press box, which is in center field, what was your your view of the the Framber Valdez start tonight? When you – I actually got into an argument about this recently with someone. I think it was our colleague, Disha Dosar, Mm -hmm. about how – the press box and the auxiliary press box in particular are terrible places to analyze and watch pitchers from because you're so far away. You're at weird angles. Any fan at the ballpark, if you unless you're sitting right behind the dish, you really it's hard to tell what pitchers yeah, are throwing. Mm-hmm. 
unless you're just reading swings, right? If a guy's early, it's usually a off speed. If he's late and the ball's up, it's usually a fastball, whatever. Framber is the easiest pitcher to know what he's throwing from 438 feet away. And for that, I'm very thankful. Yeah. He, the other thing that strikes me about him, Jordan, he never actually looks comfortable. Hmm. Even when he's rolling, he looks uneasy. He's sweating. He's grimacing. He has, like, once an at-bat, he'll just throw a non-competitive pitch that, like, doesn't move the hitter's hands, that never looks like a strike, that they spit on from the jump. But it doesn't matter because by the time it's the seventh <laughs> inning, you don't have a run. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing is, is and you know, you'll hear analysts say this or about guys just best pitches and be like, you could tell him it's coming. But truly, with his curveball, when he's throwing it as often as he is and it has the spin that it does and the movement and the fact that he can manipulate it in so many ways, whether he wants to back foot it, whether he wants to throw it back door, whether he wants to throw it just up and have it clip the top of the zone, it is so different. You can't, he, he is basically telling you, yeah, I'm about to throw it, you know, five times in this at bat. And some hitters, even right-handers just have no shot. And, and, and that is, you know, we often think about off-speed pitches and we think about Chris Sale's slider, you know, against lefties, right? It's impossible. It's flying all the way across your body where it starts behind you. I feel like that's how we talk a lot about with, with off, with nasty off-speed stuff. Oh, it starts behind me and then it ends up in the zone or it ends up in the other batter's box. But with Fromberg, I'm always uh, just shocked at how effective he is against right-handers. That curveball just, I mean, poor Reese. Just, just could not. But, but even Harper too from the left side. It is such a deep and sharp pitch, and there's so few like it in the game that it is, it is such, it is such a treat to watch. The way that you beat him, and the way that Atlanta specifically beat him last year in the World Series is anything that's like middle down to down, that looks middle down to down. You take. You just don't swing. It's how you beat Kevin Gossman, mm-hmm. right? Anything. Middle low is going to end up low and low and low and lower. Anything up is probably going to fall into the zone, into your barrel. Now, Framber complicated that a little bit now this year because he will pull out the four-seamer rarely from time to time. I think he did it against Real Muto, where Real Muto battled him and battled him and battled Mm -hmm. him. And then instead of trying to get him out down, he threw a heater up and Real Muto just was like, ah, well, it's got to be coming down into the zone. And it did it. The When he's locked in, it really, the approach doesn't matter. I would just never swing, <laughs> right? And just hope that like you're going to get four before he gets three. And, <laughs> yeah, and after and a while, that'll tire him out. That did happen. You know, he did have uh, a handful of walks, but... And right, like his fastball command isn't special, but it does have, the sinker does have a lot of movement too. So it's just not a fun time facing him. And while I do agree that he never looks like he's totally like in control, he is still having a great time. He does. He is still. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. You know, more than some of the other pitchers where, you know, we talk about how Blake Snell can be kind of exhausting to watch. Fromber, there's some tendencies that that are sort of similar in terms of staying out of the zone. But again, the curveball is just so aesthetically pleasing that like you can't help but enjoy when he's just throwing it over and over and over and over. And that was that was of course the, the main advantage they had is that they just they just couldn't really get to him. Now they bring in Montero, and let's let's skip ahead to the uh, let's skip ahead to the to the well, Kyle Schwarber moment because I mean no, is no, anything no, else no, on, no, anything no, else no, on you got to slow slow oh, oh, sorry, slow okay. slow slow. Okay, 
How did the Astros get the lead, Jordan? <laughs> well, I said they had the lead in, in th- four pitches. I mean, they, How? It was, we had three straight doubles. I believe it was the first time in World Series history uh, that a team led off with three doubles, which is one of those things that's like, oh, that doesn't sound that impressive. Um, but yeah, there you go. Three doubles uh, to lead off the game. Altuve, who went three for four tonight after starting the postseason four for 37. He was certainly a big part of uh, their success. So again, Wheeler, like I know he's been struggling, but at some point Altuve is going to hit the fastball and you give him down the middle to start the game. And so that wasn't particularly surprising. Pena comes up and hits an off-speed pitch down the left field line. And then Alvarez, who's just so strong. I know he hasn't totally locked in. He's he's looked a little fooled on some pitches. Brogdon got him swinging later in the game. But on this one, he just muscles one out to left uh, off, off the Crawford box as well. And then, you know, suddenly it's 2-0. Um, and then later that inning, <laughs> this is this is really where you felt like okay if the Astros are going to put it ahead Alvarez is on second deep fly out from Tucker and Alvarez tags Veerling our, our good friend truly good friend and, and podcast guest Matt Veerling probably not expecting Alvarez to tag from second you know with two outs there but he does he gets the he gets the third the ball does beat him but Bohm can't scoop it and then on the next play Guriel uh, swings again at the first pitch and swings, grounds, swings again. Swings again. All right, second pitch, I should say. And grounds it to Edmundo Sosa, who low throw to Reese, who cannot scoop it. And in comes uh, Alvarez to score a third run. Now, did that ultimately end up being the difference? I mean, the Phillies didn't end up with two runs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't necessarily the difference. But it was one of those moments where it was like, you just cannot <laughs> have those mistakes against the Astros. And uh, they reminded us very quickly. You can't do that. Yeah. You just can't do that. Yeah, you can't. Don't you do can. that. And the Phillies have done that all year. They have overcome mm-hmm. their flaws, right? They are not mm-hmm. a perfect team. They're not. And that's okay. They can make up for it in a lot of other ways. They just didn't do that tonight. The Wheeler stuff is most concerning to me more than any other development tonight. You, The hit, the bats falling asleep is not ideal. But sometimes that happens when you're facing a guy as locked in mm-hmm. as Framber was tonight. Mm-hmm. And... Another night, you get them going, whatever, that's fine. Wheeler's velo and his stuff being down notably because he looks exhausted because it is October 29th is a bigger worry because if the Phillies want to win the World Series, they're probably going to need him to pitch well in an eventual game six. And if you looked at Wheeler's stuff, you said, well, he's still throwing pretty hard. This was basically what he looked like in the regular season, certainly before he hit the IL with the elbow soreness. But since he's come back and in this postseason, he's been just chucking 99 with ease, right? And I think it's so interesting, and I'll bring this up a little bit later when we're looking ahead to the next few games. You know, it's so easy when you have these ace pitchers on both sides to just be like, all right, we'll just pencil in all these pitchers duels for whenever Verlander and and Nola and Wheeler and, and, and you know, Fromber and like, okay. But then like, what happens when that doesn't happen? Because now when we're looking forward to the next time Nola and Verlander face off, it's not like we're expecting them both to dominate, you know, in the same way. And the same thing goes with Wheeler. Sure. You say, oh, you know, they just win the two Wheeler starts. Like, it just doesn't really work that way all the time, as we've learned time and time again, even though we're so um, we, we want to just say that it's easy to just look at the pictures. And they, it's not that they haven't earned that reputation, but it is funny how that works out. Now, that said, he didn't look bad. He just it was not anywhere close to what he's looked for his first first three postseason starts. He looked fine. Mm-hmm. But it, besides the Brett, like after the first inning before the Bregman homer, which in I think fifth. was in the fifth, yeah. sixth, fifth. 
fifth. He mm-hmm. settled down and he mm-hmm. took care of business and he got guys out and he kept them in the ball game, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not the point of Zach Wheeler. Yes. He's not a keep you in the ball game guy. He's a fuck you in your lineup <laughs> 10 times over. I'm going to shove it down your throat guy. Yep. And now it's good that the worst version of him doesn't suck, right? But you need the best version of him, the healthy version of him, the full juice box in backyard baseball, <laughs> Chuck in 98 version of him if you want him to dominate because the reason he was amazing against San Diego and Atlanta is because that fastball just takes off, right? And he can get you with it in the zone. He can throw the heater in the zone and miss bats. And tonight, he didn't really have the ability to do that consistently. And the Padres, not as much, but the Braves whiff a ton. And as good as talented as that lineup could be, they whiff a ton. And when you're facing a team like Houston, no matter how good you are, you're going to have to work for it. <laughs> like we just saw Nola the same way. Like he battled and battled and battled. And he was like, again, it was, it was, it was a grind. And, and it's not, that's not going to change the second time they go out there. Cause he's only going to be more tired. I mean, you have to hope that he's, you know, fully you know, back, back to, but I don't know why I would expect that now considering what he looked like tonight with, with a, you know, a good amount of rest. So that said, again, you go to the fifth, Another Altuve hit, Pena strikeout. Alvarez beats out a double play, um, and then uh, and then we got <laughs> we got Bregman going going yard again. Just I mean a slider in the middle of the plate that was just torched, and uh, and yeah, I mean Bregman's having having his probably his most consistent postseason we've seen from him, and he's been he's been tremendous. And, and now it's five nothing, and everyone makes their five nothing jokes, and that's fair. Um, but again, Fromber goes back out there and, and, and keeps it, keeps it locked down. Now there were some, there were some scary moments. Like give, give credit to the Phillies. Phillies definitely did not roll over. I mean, they, they rolled over literally a few times during the game, but they, they did not metaphorically roll over, um, in the way that you maybe could have expected. And they've certainly proven that they're not going to do that anytime soon in any of these games, no matter how far they're behind. But Fromber out there just continues to stymie them. So now, now can we get to the the, the Schwarber? Because <laughs> I'm super curious about about your angle uh, for this play. So let's fast forward to it is the seventh, right? Or no, the sixth. Uh, no, eighth. What inning was this? Oh, yes, the eighth. <laughs> okay. Um, so the Phillies get one in the seventh. Montero goes back out there. Bryson Stott, who's just putting together just some quality abs this postseason. He is so much fun to watch. Um, and I know he didn't start this game against Fromber, but you know, you have to wonder, like maybe this dude just should be starting every game, no matter what. So he gets on and then here comes Schwarber against Rafael Montero. And I believe it was a two, two count and he just unloads on one now on TV on first swing, like his first, as soon as he makes contact, I was like, that's foul. There's no way. Um, on the call, I don't, I don't know. You probably haven't watched the clip yet or haven't seen it, but Joe Davis, I'm sure doing a great job and looking at the correct umpire was like, that's a home run. Like he said, there wasn't even a, an instinct because he's probably looking at the ump, the ump signaled Homer. But I was like, I don't know about that. They zoom in on the Houston fans who are all screaming. Like it was foul. It was foul. It was foul. Schwarber's taking his trot. <laughs> but by the time Schwarber got home, he like said something to Maldonado and Maldonado was like, dude, no, <laughs> it's not. It was not. They reviewed it, and then he ends up with a deep fly out to right, but not nearly as deep as the one before. So, what was your angle on that ball uh, from where you were sitting? 
So I was upper, upper deck down the left field line. Left field line, okay. I was visiting with a high school, middle school classmate of ours mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. lives in Houston. Shouts mm-hmm. out to David. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were, you know, very high up, like looking towards the right field foul pole. And we're talking, you know, we're catching up. Haven't seen him in <laughs> nine years. Mm-hmm. And Schwarber unloads on one. I grab his arm. This is apparently my thing, Jordan. When a guy <laughs> yes. if you're, crushes if you're keeping, a ball. If you're keeping up. No, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty human reaction. It's okay. I mean, it was, it was blasted. I just, I'm an arm grabber. Mm-hmm. All right. So if you're near me and there's a home run, make sure you're ready for that. <laughs> so I grab his arm. I go, that's gone. And he crushes it. And from where we are, like, we can't see mm-hmm. anything. You can't. In the ballpark, you don't know. This is the other thing. People don't know. All right. The only people who really know are the catcher, the home plate umpire, and maybe like three people near the foul pole. Yes. Because it, it you made a point, Jordan, that like, well, all the fans are saying it was foul. If this was in Philly, all the fa- fans would be saying it's fair. Okay. It does not matter. That is a uh, that is not a data point in the freaking slightest. Generally, no, no, I agree with you. Although, again, w- when you watch the clip, it was like the people where the ball went was like, no, it, these were the three people that could tell that it was foul. So in general, you are totally correct about that. Um, but in this case, it was like, I actually trust these people because they see it better than the ump did. The, the point is, the thing that we really have to talk about here, and of course it was funny, he ends up flying out to the winning track, is the just the, the concept of the home run trot on the foul ball. Now, I'm not blaming Schwarber. I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun of him. It's just, it's just a hilarious reality of the sport. It's a lose-lose situation, mm-hmm. right? Because either you don't run and it's fair and you look like an imbecile <laughs> or you do run and it's foul and you look a little silly. You have to run. Like, it's not negotiable. You just have to start that trot. <laughs> yeah. The funniest part was like Schwarber basically slowly realizing it was foul as he was reaching each base like but it's still just still committing to completing the home run try like i don't i can't remember like we've certainly seen guys maybe go and like round first and then turn around but i would love to see someone who gets like around second and they're like okay no it's definitely foul and just like cut across the infield back <laughs> but but no he he accepted his fate and then and then you know when that one doesn't goes out doesn't go out uh, then we have, you know, restrikes out and then we have the next funny play, but anything else on the Schwarber Homer before we get to the, the toss to no one. The Astros should not have Rafael Montero face Kyle Schwarber again. Yeah, no, that, that did not is seem. such a good matchup for him. He was I assumed it would be Naris. I thought they would go back, yeah. go to Naris for that. Um, that was, that was very questionable. I've seen Rafael Montero give up some homers in his day. It is not a pretty thing. Anyway, so then restrikes out. Now we're at two outs. Real Muto grounds one to... So Stott is still on first. Real Muto grounds one to Jeremy Pena behind second base with two outs. Altuve at first seems to think he's going to be kind of coming over to second for Pena to flip it to him for the third out. But it was a pretty tough play, and Altuve was... I mean, maybe he would have gotten there in time, but... I think Altuve was like, hey, Pena, you're an awesome shortstop. Just field the ball. And I know Real Muto's pretty fast, but like, just turn your body and throw it first. So Altuve turns around, kneels to look at first base to see them record the out. Meanwhile, Jeremy Pena is flipping the ball to nobody. 
And then the slow-mo of this was truly one of the funniest clips I've seen in so long. And just like why I love having 5 million cameras um, in, you know, when you watch a sporting event in the year 2022, because I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, I cannot wait to wait, can't wait to watch that in slow-mo from five different angles, because this is going to be so funny. And there's just one still frame where the ball is literally above Altuve's head. And he's just staring very focused on first base. And Pena has this look of like, Oh no. And well, that's that, the best yeah. part is mm-hmm. you watch Pena mm-hmm. and he's already making a face reacting to Altuve not being there as he's throwing the ball because that is how the human brain interacts with the human body. There is no kill switch, friends. You're thinking about doing something, you're going to do it until, unless you're, you know, even if you're an incredible athlete, you don't really have a choice. And the funniest part too is like, normally a bad toss at second base, if you see that, the second baseman or whoever's receiving the toss is looking at the ball and maybe you'll see them like, like, oh, like, oh shit, that's like over my head or like, oh, that's way to my left. And the second, but instead, now two has no idea it's coming. And it just creates this perfect combination of play. And also the irony is that this was against the Phillies, right? So, and th- these are two of the best, you know, infield defenders you'll ever see. And so it was, it was great. And I had that moment of like, oh my God, is this more dumb shit happening? We talked after last night's game. Is there more dumb shit happening so that the Phillies can win the World Series? There it was again, but not quite. They ended up uh, getting out of the inning. But man. That so moment funny. was like the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, alley-oop dunk. You know the picture oh, yes. where LeBron has his arms his out? Arms, yes. Or one of them. Who is dunking? I, I think, think Wade's. No, Wade, no I think. I think LeBron's dunking and Wade is the one. I know exactly what you're talking about, but here, let's see. Right. Wade, let's, it. let's just get our facts right. Wade, LeBron, dunk. Wade, LeBron, dunk. It's Wade, right? Wade tosses it and he's got his arms up and LeBron's in the air behind him dunking. Iconic picture, right? Mm-hmm. Hilarious. It's against the, the Bucks, like oh, where yeah. in against the Bucks, like in Milwaukee, there's like no one at this game. Very funny. Anyway, it's like that, except if LeBron hadn't been there. And it was like just (laughs) Wade just like, yeah, throwing it up and not looking. Um, Although this is, for those of you who are curious, this is like 98% Altuve's fault. Yeah, I think so too. And and again, like when you see where they were both positioned, like it probably would have been better for Pena to try to get the out at first. Um, But either way, it was just a hilarious play. that, and, And also one of those great moments because it's like, there's a version of this game where the Phillies come back and tie it. And we're talking about that as like one of the greatest gaffes. Like we're not laughing about it. It's like, oh my God, look at what happened. But instead it's just like, oh, this is funny. Okay, Astros win. Um, after that, uh, so, but then they, they, you know, they get out of it. Uh, Harper pops out and Pena then makes an amazing play like three, 30 seconds later, uh, which is funny. Brad Hand comes in with a, with a dominant inning. Good for Brad Hand. Um, and then Phillies, you know, they're, they're fighting at the end, but it comes up a, a little bit short. Shouts out to Alec Bohm, who I believe has the hardest hit ball in both game one and game two um, with his his double against Verlander and then his double in the ninth uh, against Ryan Presley. So, you know, Bohm having a few good swings. Good to see that. Guriel makes a crazy error that he would never makes ever. That was another thing where I was like, what is happening right now? Um, but Stock grounds out and the Astros take game two. Right, there Jake, was a two. moment. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. There was like there is a moment in every game mm-hmm. where it teeters, mm-hmm. where there's another path it can take. 
to create an October icon moment, right? And we had that today. We did a few Harper, a few of them, right? Oh, that's true. Harper's yeah. up two on, two out in the eighth, and he gets out, or in the eighth, yeah, in, the, in the eighth, in the eighth, in the eighth. Yeah, yeah, in the eighth. But like, there's that moment in the game where there's the tension, and there's the oh my god, what if, and there's the thought that like the pitcher might overthink it and hang a slider, and then Bryce Harper hits it to the moon, and like, for me. Even when it doesn't happen, that's what I love about postseason baseball. Totally. Is that those moments are just potential capital M moments. Exactly. And whether that's the thing is whether they happen or not, just feeling that way, right? The, the, how you're thinking, certainly for both fan bases, let alone just us neutral observers, right? But especially too, you know, when, when I'm watching the Mariners and postseason, it's just all those moments, it's just like, that is it. Those feelings that you have as Bryce Harper's coming up to the plate, Matt. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does. Right. But like, you're totally right. That's a great. That's a great way to put it. Uh, the last thing I think we need to talk about in this game is something that I don't believe. Before we get to some game three thoughts, is the Martin Maldonado bat controversy. Now let me let me set this up for you. Okay. Um, I, I put the link in here. Do you have you clicked on this link yet? Yeah, this is an incredibly stupid okay, story. But, but it, it is an incredibly stupid story. I, the only reason I'm bringing it up is because what is notable is that the way that Tom Verducci just just said this <laughs> in the middle of his at-bat, they're like, oh, we, are we sent it out to Tom. Here's Martin Maldonado. And Tom's like, yeah, so turns out Martin Maldonado has just been using an illegal bat. Uh, and then if MLB was like, yo, you can't do that anymore. Like only Albert Pujols can use that because he played before 2010. And then Joe's like, thanks, Tom. It's like, what? What was that? And of course, everyone, Philly's like, oh, they're cheating, they're cheating, they're cheating, they're cheating. That's not what's happening. At the same time, this is just an absurd way to have <laughs> this information come out in the middle of the game. I'm not blaming Tom Ducci or Parks or anything. It's just so funny and so bizarre. Like, I am just marveling at how goofy that this is. <laughs> this became a giant story in the middle of the game that Martin Maldonado was using one of Albert Poole's bats. And everyone's like, oh, my God, it's like too, too big of a barrel. No, they changed the rules because the the kind of bat that he was using uh, 15 years ago uh, splinters far more often and thus becomes way more dangerous on broken bats than than the bats that they use. Now, That's it's really that simple. But I just am, cannot believe that this became a story in the middle of the game. It was very, very, very funny. So I have a similar mm-hmm. gripe. This story is – one last thing on this story. This story is hilarious because Martin Maldonado sucks at hitting. (laughs) And so if whatever he was using all year, Phillies fans, you want him to keep using that. Yes, truly. Here's my plea, Jordan. Again tonight, I saw videos of zoomed in footage of pitchers. Oh my God. I was going to bring rubbing their hands or touching their legs or going to the baseball. Oh, they're doctoring the ball. This is a, a PSA to everyone listening. Stop. Stop. You are not a hero. You are not going, you are not the Sherlock Holmes of sticky stuff. Your video of Fran Valdez wiping his left cheek because he's fucking sweating is not going to unlock world history or win your team the World Series. You yeah. are not on the team. You are not. Yeah. You are not in the dugout. You are not in the front office. You feel that way maybe sometimes, and that's a good thing. Sports and fandom are supposed to make us 
feel included and, and, and empowered and whatever and go to the game and cheer your ass off and click on all of our articles. That's great. Okay. Enough with the sleuthing. Enough. Totally I, agree. It's, it is so pointless and not real. And the ear shit with Joe Musgrove was funny enough because it was his ear. Um, but I'm done with this. I'm, I'm done. I'm totally. I 100% agree. I was going to bring this up too. And just to compare it to Musgrove quickly, uh, Musgrove's RPMs were through the roof higher than we've seen all season. Fromber's curveball was up fewer RPMs than Wheeler's crappy slider tonight, right? Like Fromber spins the baseball. He's done it his whole freaking life. That's the whole reason he's one of the best. But like some pitchers just spin it better than others. That's what's happening. Whether they're using shit or not, we it's not interesting. It's just not interesting anymore. And to your point, it's it's that they they will handle it if it is a problem. <laughs> okay. The Musgrove situation, we already talked about it. Yes, the RPMs were up currently crazy. Buck can go ask, even if it looks lame. That's fine. There was nothing here. Like this was just Frommer doing what he's always done the whole time. And if you want to just spend it is it is super duper uninteresting. And I'm totally with you. Jordan, let's put our game three preview on hold. The one news there is Noah Syndergaard is starting game three against Lance McCullers. That means game four will be Ranger Suarez against Christian Javier, which is a bit of a surprise. Suarez going four instead of three. We'll talk about all that on Monday morning because we'll do a little preview pod then. But for now, I think it is time to bid everyone adieu. I need to go to bed. Yes. Um, and recover from my food poisoning. Jordan, what's good for food poisoning? Uh, let me tell you, nothing available at Minute Maid Park. It is the worst. I would argue it is a top 10 worst place in the world to try and recover from food poisoning. I think you're, you're spot on. That's good. We should have someone do rank. You know, we always rank the ballparks. Oh, what's the best for your kids? Oh, what's the best food? Oh, what's the best sight lines? Oh, what's the cheap best? What is the ranking your Emily ballparks based on how easy it is to recover from food poisoning? Someone else should write that, but it sounds like you're more qualified than others. So now it is right now. I am. I was just, I was just munching on hot on hamburger buns all night, baby. Gotta be ready for game three. Well, on that note, just like me, Jordan, me and Zach Wheeler, it's a long season. All right. It's a long season. We only got a little bit left. Hot dog buns are going to get us to the end. If you have experience uh, recovering from food poisoning in an Emily ballpark, Email us, baseballbarbercast at gmail.com, B-A-R-B-Cast. Uh, Cheese steaks, right? <laughs> yeah, dog. Yeah, that should help. Um, thank you to Chris Tyler for producing this. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. The series is all tied up at one. And we will talk to you on Monday with Jake in Philadelphia. Probably not eating anything too inflammatory. Talk to you then. Serious XM Podcasts.